What is up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in once again. The Golden Edge Podcast here to let you know everything going on in the world of the Vegas Golden Knights from the people that cover it for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Adam Hill, Ben Goats here with you. Dave Shane will be along in just a bit as well. Yeah, that's exciting. That it, well, you didn't really sell it. Is that that's exciting? It really is exciting. I'm very excited. Okay, now that that felt more real to me. I like Thank that. You. That's good acting. That's good. That's, were you an actor? Did you uh, take some acting classes growing up? Multiple times, yes. Okay, that's frightening. We have to get into that as we uh, continue with the podcast down the road. We'll find out some more tales of your acting past. Any good musicals or anything like that? Oh, I've been in so many. Let's not even get started. It's a deep rabbit hole that we have no time for. We're going to have to uh, definitely find some stuff on YouTube and send that out. Maybe play some here on the podcast in the coming months as we fight through this season. It should be a fun one and an entertaining one. Whether or not we get to some of your YouTube clips of your acting days, we'll uh, get to that down the road. But right now, there's a lot going on in training camp. We'll get into who's impressed us, maybe who still has some work to do, what is, uh, what's developing with the team. Last week, it was all about a new addition in Max Pacioretty. This week, it's about somebody that's not here. Yeah, Eric Carlson finally got traded, but it was not to the Golden Knights. He actually went to the San Jose Sharks, who kind of gave up a quantity not quality package in my eyes they gave up uh forwards chris tierney josh norris uh rudolph's balsers great name uh defenseman dylan demilo a first round pick in 2019 or 2020 depends on what happens a second round pick uh next year 2019 and two conditional draft picks so that's a lot of stuff but nothing that really got me excited i mean tierney was their third line center last year yeah and i I like tierney i think he's a good player he's a guy that you know, you got to see a little bit in the playoffs, along with Dylan DeMello, who I think is a pretty good player as well. I don't know that it's, you know, the same kind of package that th- there was talk about the Golden Knights giving up. And, you know, you never know with the talk of who actually is available and who's not. But it seems like the Golden Knights package might have been better uh, as far as this trade goes, if that was really out there. But in the end, the Sharks get them. And I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that Carlson did not want to sign an extension. Right. I think that's the key. So we heard during the Max Pacioretty trade where the Golden Knights gave up some significant assets to get him. George McPhee, I mean, just flat out said, we were not going to do this deal without hammering out a contract extension beforehand. And here with Eric Carlson, I think the opposite uh, was true from his camp anyway of like, I'm not going to do a trade that requires me to sign an extension because he's been pretty, I think, open about, I want to explore my options when I hit the market. I want to have different opportunities, have different teams sell me on things. I don't want to just go from one place to another and not have the opportunity to look around and see what might be the best fit for me. So for for those that don't know Eric Carlson, one of the best defenders in all of the NHL was available because, well, for several reasons. One, the Senators are completely rebuilding, and he's a guy that you can give up and get a whole bunch of pieces for down the road uh, for that rebuild. And we saw how many pieces they got in exchange for him. But he's also someone who went through a very, very difficult season. Not only on the ice with a bad team, but he had, you know, an issue with a teammate where his uh, Carlson's wife went through, you know, very very awful medical situation uh, with a miscarriage, and then one of his teammates was allegedly, and that's Mike Hoffman, his wife was harassing Carlson's wife uh, throughout the season on social media and everything. It's just a terrible, awful situation to be in. So, word was Carlson absolutely did not want to sign an extension anywhere. He wanted to go somewhere else for a year, explore it, see if he liked it, see if he's comfortable, and then resign. So if that's the case, and the Golden Knights were insistent that he sign an extension first, that would make sense that he 
wasn't going to agree to that, and so they weren't going to give up a whole lot for him for a one-year guy, and that makes sense that they maybe might have backed out. Right, and this gives them the opportunity if he does not sign an extension with San Jose, which has not happened yet, and as we just said, I don't think he plans to for at least a long while yet. They could potentially go after him in free agency where you don't have to give up significant assets outside of just money. Yeah, and and, and we'll find out. But but I hear the thing about San Jose, they're very confident. And I think Vegas should have been too. Like San Jose, their belief from people I've talked to up there was, if you come here, you're going to love it. And I think Vegas probably should have thought the same way. Now, they didn't want to take that chance because I think most guys will come here, experience it, and be like, yeah, I'll sign here. San Jose believes the same thing. So they think they're going to get this done, which makes sense for them as well. But it does make them very, very good. This is this absolutely makes them a huge threat in the division to the Golden Knights. I mean, their blue line with adding him to where he already got Brent Burns is just incredible. I mean, they are going to be so tough on the back end, and I don't know how you're going to get the puck past them. Yeah, and they're going to be really good on the power play, certainly. Absolutely. Uh, with those guys out there manning the blue line. Although, Drew Doughty, who made some comments about uh, – these trades from the Kings, certainly uh, the public enemy number one of Golden Knights fans. He first of all, he said this was much more impactful than the Patriotty trade to Vegas. But he also said, got a lot of guys that want the puck in San Jose now. How are they going to be able to manage that? So he's trolling both teams at once, which is fantastic. Respect. Uh, yeah, but we'll see how that all works out. And certainly San Jose, a huge, huge threat now to the Golden Knights in the, in the division. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how it how it works out for them. But you, as you said, the Golden Knights could go after him again in the offseason. But I do think San Jose, like Vegas, is a place there. If they're successful on the ice, you're going to get comfortable. You're going to like the area. It's a beautiful place to live. I expect them to be able to resign. I would think so, too. But if you're Vegas and it gets close to the offseason, I think you, you know, place a bug into his agent hey don't rule us out or at least give us a meeting or something to give us the opportunity to sell but as you said they should be confident if they can uh get a meeting with him that they can sell vegas potentially i mean we just heard patcheretti in his opening press conference basically just like wax poetic about how much he loved the area and how much he loved the atmosphere i mean even after the first preseason game patcheretti was talking about how great the fans are and how it was like a playoff atmosphere in t-mobile arena so he is already sold on being in Las Vegas and he has been here about a week and I think the Golden Knights probably have the same confidence that if they have a chance to get Eric Carlson in their building they could make the same sort of push and try to get him to sign here well he he also had he had the full Vegas welcoming experience for those that didn't get to see there he was on a helicopter on the strip he was going to like every event and then he went to the uh the Canelo fight on Saturday night the Canelo Triple G fight so he had like a an ultimate, hey, welcome to Las Vegas. This is where you are, kind of an experience. So, you know, that's the same thing that I think they would roll out for Carlson in a free agent type situation. But, you know, this was a guy who I know the Golden Knights wanted him. I'm, you know, I know the fans wanted him from all the feedback we've gotten. He's a guy who could have really changed the outlook even more for this season. And it, it is disappointing for the Golden Knights that they weren't able to get him. Yeah, especially for this year. And then it'll be interesting to see like I said, what they can do moving forward because this is a guy that's going to command a lot, a lot of money. Yeah. And not just a lot of money like per year. It's going to be over a lot of years too. I mean, he is probably going to look in the 8- to 10-year range for a contract. Yeah. It's going to take him basically up until he retires. Yeah, and like 9 to $10 million probably a year. So like, you know, eight years, 80, eight years, 
75 million, eight years, 80 million, somewhere in that range. Yeah, so we've talked, I mean, the Golden Knights have had a lot of cap space for their first couple of years, but that is a move combined with the Pacioretty extension that would have dried up a lot of their space pretty quickly. So it's interesting from that angle that they hold on to some cap space, they hold on to some young assets because I think the equivalent of the trade for Vegas would have been something along the lines of Shea Theodore, either Eric Hall or Cody Eakin, one of the two, because Ottawa wanted a center back and maybe Cody Glass, plus a bunch of picks. Yeah, it, it seemed like it seemed like you know Glass was de- you know Suzuki was already moved, so it seemed like Glass was a guy they wanted. Brandstrom and Hague, it sounds like we're off the table, especially after how they've played recently in in this camp. Both defensemen have really looked good so far. Yeah, in camp. and so you know they they are looking for guys that are they were looking for guys you know as you as you said they wanted a center who was an NHL ready guy they wanted you know a Shea Theodore type guy. So you're thinking, you know, Theodore, Glass, Eakin, or Howla. I think the disagreement was over them that they wanted Howla and Golden Knights wanted to give up Eakin. There's a lot to give up there, but is it, you know, how all in are you? Because we thought they were all in when they got Pacioretty. They would have been all in. All in. If there's a different, if there's a different level of the term all in, that was it. 100% Stanley Cup or bust if they would have gotten Eric Carlson. Because, I mean, the team would have basically been loaded. So is San Jose in that same realm now? Are they all in or are they championship or nothing after giving up what they gave up? And really, you know, they signed Evander Kane, they re-signed Evander Kane. They got all these veterans back. The window might be closing on them. They've got a lot of older guys. Is it Stanley Cup or bust for them now? I think it's pretty close. They have, as you mentioned, a lot of guys that they're re-signing on one-year deals or guys that they're bringing back for kind of one last ride for the next year or so. So I think, I mean, they are absolutely going to be the Golden Knights' biggest challengers for the Pacific Division title this season, maybe next year. And then I think San Jose is going to have a tough time staying at the same level of competitiveness after that. So very interesting move for San Jose and for the division. We'll see how that all shapes up and how they're able to come together. As Drew Doughty said, are there enough pucks there for them, uh, for defenders that want to uh, be goal scorers up there in San Jose? The season will help us determine that. Maybe a little of the preseason, too. And the Golden Knights are into their preseason now. Training camp a few days old. One preseason game in the books. And now the second one will be tonight as we are taping this. You might be listening to it later on. But uh, one more, you know, another preseason game tonight in Colorado. And Dave Shane, who covers the team for us here at the RJ, is there. And let's uh, go out there and talk to him now. First, how are you doing? Good. Good. Like I was telling you guys, it's warm here. Yeah. The last time I was here in Denver, it was it was it was cold. It was like uh, sea of breath cold last time I was here. Now it's like eighty something degrees. Not even get a break from the uh, the Vegas heat. There but you, you know, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. It's beautiful. It's awesome here. It's a gorgeous day. Well, there you go. And uh, you can go. You can probably still go skiing after the game too if you want to late at night. <laughs> go down the slopes. It'll be perfect. Exactly. Like like Coachman from uh, Jerry Maguire. I'll either surf or ski. Perfect. Good. We make great, great old references on this show, Dave. That's uh, that's perfect. Yeah, it's before my time. Yeah. <laughs> good. Wait, you haven't seen Jerry Maguire? I think he came out like, the yeah, year I was born. On, Jerry Maguire? Right. Oh, that can't be before your time, Bang. Come on. No homework assignment definitely is to watch Jerry Maguire. Uh, well, hey, listen. Yeah. Speaking of agents, I guess we can uh, we can start there. We really we're really in the dark about Shea Theodore right now. Nobody's really saying anything. Nobody's talking about it. What is your sense of where we are with this uh, ongoing negotiation? 
a huge gulf is my sense. Um, you know, I've put in several calls to um, Craig Oster, who is Shea Theodore's agent, and actually Buffalo's Sam Reinhardt's agent, coincidentally, who is also a uh, RFA unsigned. Um, I mean, I'm not sure they're the same type of situation, just because, you know, different position, different draft status, you know, Reinhardt was a number two overall pick, and all those sorts of other things. But no no return calls, no messages from Craig Oster, nothing. I mean, it's been silence, and, and that's, you know, never a good time, I guess. Um, I would think if they were close, we would hear about it. Uh, beyond that, everybody I've kind of talked to and, and tried to get a sense of about this, it just seems like they're far apart. Um, I don't, the one thing, maybe we can, you know, get into it a little bit, um, but it's clearly kind of an issue of, you know, a bridge deal versus a long-term deal for him. And where what's interesting to me and where I'd love to find out when I, what I'm trying to maybe ascertain is who is on the side of wanting the bridge deal and who is wanting the long-term deal for Shea because you can kind of look at it both ways. It's not as easy as just, well, the player wants a long-term deal. I, it might be the case. That very well might be the case. But, you know, it could be either way. Long story short, I don't know that this is going to get done real quick. That's really interesting because we've kind of seen these RFAs who don't have arbitration rights kind of slowly start to trickle back into camps because the Oilers just signed a Darnell Nurse to a two-year extension worth about, I think it was $6.4 million. And that's a deal that I think, you know, Theodore deserves a little bit more than that. But that's a deal that I think would potentially be fair to both sides, give him a two-year deal, you know, maybe $6.5, million, But, I mean, from what you're saying, Dave, it sounds like they're not quite close to that. Well, I, I would guess, and this is just, you know, kind of my read on the situation, I would guess that's where the Knights are with it. You know, that, that they're on the side of wanting to bridge Basically, two-year deal. Yeah, you know, three and a half million. Uh, Brandon Montour in uh, in Anaheim got, you know, essentially that type of deal. Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg got a similar deal. You know, I don't remember his three point one. You know, somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, that she is kind of she is was in the, the same draft as Darnell Nurse, the same draft as Josh Morrissey, so same age, but you know, Shea's played less games. That wise, he kind of matches up with them. Um, so it's a good jumping off point, but, you know, where you can see it from the agent side, where you can see it from Shay's side is, is at this point at 23 years old, if the Knights see him as a number one or number two defenseman, why wouldn't you lock him up right now? And maybe that's my question in this little deal is, do the Knights see him as a number one or number two defenseman right now and, and projecting in that, or do they have questions? Do they want to see another year or two of production from him and then go for the long-term deal? Because I think that is probably where things are. I think Shea wants that long-term deal. I think he looks around the league. You know, he sees some of the other guys. Uh, Noah Hannafin in particular got, you know, five years, six years, I believe. Um, we saw some guys last year, uh, Severson in New Jersey. Uh, we've seen Brady Shea in New York. Obviously, those are... You know, maybe maybe a tick above what Shea Theodore has done right now at this point, but you know that that's kind of in the neighborhood. That's the area because that's the tax bracket. You know that that we're probably talking about, and, and so I think it's more about term. 
But I'll, I'll also take this time to say that at, throughout the summer, I had made comments about this situation, and I was, like, super naive about it in, in retrospect. Because looking back on it, you know, I thought this was kind of a thing of, you know, she's got no leverage. And, you know, if it's here's your contract, then, you know, you're going to sign it. But when you look around at what the market is and what some of the other guys around the league have gotten and gotten those five- and six-year deals, you know, if I'm Shea Theodore, I'm looking at that saying, well, why don't I get that too? You know, and then, you know, that leads to the situation right now where, where there's a huge goal. So we, we are in, you know, as we said, one preseason game in. The second one is tonight. You were in Colorado to cover that. And and we are sitting here looking at how some of the young defensemen have played in, in the preseason and in training camp. And some of them look really good, really improved, closer to ready for the NHL, maybe than a lot of people thought at this point. So I guess talk about what, what you've seen from the young defensemen. But also, isn't that pretty bad for Theodore if these guys are better than – people thought and closer to ready than people thought? Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of takes away some of his leverage in the theory, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, you, you kind of, the, the guys right off the, the jump that you were kind of looking at, Eric Cranston, you know, Nicholas Higgs, Zach Whitecloud, you know, they, they've certainly, you know, caught eyes in, in different ways, good and bad, I think, for both of them. Um, I thought Nick Higgs actually kind of struggled for a lot of, a lot of that, that game the other night and then really seemed to kind of grow into the game. You know, obviously you look at the stat sheet, you know, you see the goal and the assist and, and you see kind of the feeling. You see what he can do, you know, but I think there was also a lot of nerves. That's the first time he's played in, in front of, you know, what, 17,000 people. I think yeah. somebody was joking with Didn't somebody joke with him about, like, uh, 17,000 more than he's ever played in front of or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Yeah. <laughs> um, which I don't know that that's exactly true. I don't want to take a, a shot at the OHL in Mississauga or anything. But, uh, you know, I, I, I do think there were some, some moments where you could see that he looked 19. And I think Eric Ransom, you know, kind of the same thing. Gerard Gallant, you know, made a, made a comment about how Eric Ransom, you know, tends to skate the puck into trouble at times. And, and I think that's, you know, kind of the, the issue with any young defenseman who's an offensive-minded kid like him who can skate, you know, whatever. They rely on their skating a lot. And they have to kind of figure out, you know, what you can't get away with anymore, um, you know, at the NHL level. And, and that just comes with experience. You know, Branstrom wasn't in training camp last year, so this is, you know, his kind of first rodeo, I guess, with all this too. So I don't want to rip them too hard. I don't want to get on them too hard. And, you know, obviously everybody's going to look at, oh, he had a goal and assist. You know, what do you mean he played poorly? And, you know, I don't think he played poorly, but I just, I definitely think there were some, some uneven moments uh, we'll see what Zach Whitecloud does tonight. I'm kind of eager to see that, see who he's paired with. And, and obviously he's a different kind of defenseman than those two. Uh, more of a stay-at-home guy. You know, Nick Higgs, a little bit of the, the up-and-down, you know, kind of ability to, to go both ways. Uh, the Chris Pronger comparison was made by, uh, I believe it was Max Pacioretty, um, which is the obvious one when you're six stakes. But, you know, Zach Whitecloud's a different kind of defenseman. He's you know, that stay-at-home guy. I'm kind of curious to see how he, he plays and, and handles, you know, a strong team that the Avalanche are throwing out. I mean, they're going to have their first line. You know, McKinnon, Landis, Gog, and uh, Ransman in that first uh, in that first exhibition game for them. So it's going to be a tough test. Um, but I'll throw one more name in there, too, that's jumped out. And, uh, I know Ben, uh, ben can get in with this, too, is uh, Jake Bishop. Because I think he's played, you know, a very underrated style. He's not a real flashy guy. 
obviously you had the goal the other night, but you know sometimes that that non-flashy style is what you want from a defenseman. And I think he's had a good camp so far. I'm I'm curious to see you know as things go on, you know how he plays, and then uh, you know even uh, Griffin Reinhardt will throw him in the mix a little bit too. Yeah, Jake Bischoff, standout defenseman from the University of uh, Minnesota, where I actually covered oh, him stop. in college. True story. <laughs> This, no, isn't it, the, this isn't the Gopher Edge podcast. Stop it. Hey, he remembered me yesterday when I talked to him. Uh, no, but I think I'm curious to see how he and kind of White Cloud fit into the mix because I think, at least to me, they showed that they're more maybe ready to handle an upper level of play at the NHL, but they don't have the you know flashy skills that a Brandstrom or a Hag have. But I also think where they might have a sneaky advantage to get on this roster, uh, and Dave and I talked about this the other night, is that with Brandstrom and Haig, you want to make sure that they are playing every day because they are 19 years old and they are still developing their skills. And so in these first 20 games of the season where you for sure don't have Nate Schmidt and you might not have Shea Theodore, do you want to go with them and have either Hag or Brandstrom be in your lineup probably every night, or do you want a guy like Bishop or White Cloud where you would be more comfortable having in the lineup maybe two days than scratching for a game and kind of rotating them a little bit more like that? Yeah, I mean, it's I, interesting. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, yeah, no, I was just gonna say it's, a, it's an interesting dilemma for uh, for Jordan Gallant. You know, you, you kind of get into the whole, you know, right hand defenseman versus you know left side of the ice and and who fits where and all that when you really kind of get into it. But I'm sure that'll all shake out. You know, go ahead, Adam. Didn't mean to cut you off. No, well, for I was looking up some very important things. Um, Mississauga they seat uh, 5,400 for home games. Oh, so way more. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. if people show oh. up, though. It doesn't necessarily mean they're there, but that's what they can. That's yeah, their capacity. That's true. Steelheads were pretty decent last year, so you know, I'm sure they. Uh, I'm sure they got upwards of four grand. So the par- anyway, point was seven, seventeen thousand is still a heck of a lot more than Big Egg probably ever ever played in front of. You're saying T-Mobile maybe a little more uh, high profile than the Paramount Fine Food Center. I'm also saying that the the bass is probably a little louder in T-Mobile. Okay, than, uh, that's fair. There. They do have good acoustics. A little, little, little more thump, a little more bumping. Pro- probably not this. Probably not the same uh, intro either. Like you don't know, skate through the helmet and have all the yeah. uh, theatrics going on. How about them bringing the playoff the helmet John, back John for the preseason? Mode. Yeah. That, that helmet is ridiculous. But uh, I'll say this. Max Pacioretty was talking about how much he liked it. He loved it. He loved skating through it. It was... Uh, a great moment for him, and he could not stop talking about it. So um, what were your thoughts just on, on him getting out of the ice? It's preseason, but gets out there, scores a goal. Uh, how did he look uh, with his new team? Yeah, really good. I I, I think I think people are really going to like him. I think he's going to have a really good year. I know he's talked about this, and, and obviously we need to ask him about it, but just the way that he's answered the question about the pressure being off him and not having to be the captain and just being able to play – hockey kind of remove his brain you know from his head not think and all that I, I just I mean I think he's gonna love it I, as long as he's got a healthy Paul Stastny and somebody setting him up I, I mean he, he looks fast there were so many things going on in Montreal last year I mean it was you know a proverbial dumpster fire up there <laughs> you know so so to blame him and go oh you know 17 goals and, and all that and then nah, he's not gonna be able to do I mean he's 29 he looked good. And I'll, I'll tell you what, there was one moment, I remember, I think it was second period, uh, he pasted somebody in the in the neutral zone against the Bulls. 
I mean, he just planted dude right into the glass. And it was one of those things that you're like, okay, this is a 30-goal scorer who can get up and down the ice, and he's willing to put somebody in the glass like that in an exhibition game? Like, woof. You know, I, I know James Neal did a lot of things, but at least just on the ice, you know, both of them being healthy right now, I think Max Petri is a tick, a tick above. I, I really think he's he's going to have a big year, and, and I really liked what he showed in a, in a game Sunday. Yeah, and I know, you know, people have lamented the fact, you know, James Neal was a very popular player, uh, as was David Perron in, in some circles, and people – you know, are coming to grips with the fact that they're gone and maybe they're their favorite player and they're out of here. But the Golden Knights said early in the offseason, McPhee said it himself, they needed to get better as a 200-foot team on the second line. And last year, they gave up way too many goals, and they believe Patrick and Stastny, although they haven't officially confirmed they're the second-line players, they are. They think that they can do a lot better in terms of, you know, playing both sides of the ice. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, and I don't remember exactly what year it was, but I know a few years back that he got some selfie votes um, not to touch ready. So anytime you're, you're kind of a – and the weird thing about the selkie is it's kind of an award where, like, a handful of guys are always just mentioned, you know, because as a voter it's really hard to measure, you know, the best defensive forward. It's kind of – you know, I don't want to say it's a reputation award, but, you know, it, it, you have to really do something noticeably defensively to kind of catch the eye of voters. And if, and if you have one year where all of a sudden you get a, some votes and people are noticing you, you know, and, you, and you're willing to play kind of a 200-foot game. and He's played for Gerard Watt, too. That's the other side of this, too. He's walking in. He doesn't have to learn any new systems because he's played them all before. And he, he understands, you know, the personality of, of Gerard Watt, how he's going to be coached, you know, kind of the blunt uh, honesty that, that comes with uh, being a player in that locker room, you know, whether it's from his, you know, peers, whether it's from his teammates, or whether it's coming from Jargon or somebody on that that staff, you know, behind closed doors, those those guys get coached real hard. Um, you know, there's a lot of expletives and, <laughs> and things like that behind closed doors that you know that we we don't all see, but they're coached hard. Um, but they like it. They, you know, they they respond to Jargon's coaching, and you know, I think. I haven't seen Max Petri skate yet without a smile. And I don't know <laughs> if that's just him, and he always does that, or if it's just wider now or, or what. But I, I, I haven't seen him, you know, I haven't seen him even straight face. He's always smiling on the ice. I just think he's, I think he's so geeked to be uh, in Vegas right now. Yeah, he just appears to be loving it. I mean, after that first preseason game, we all heard it. I mean, we talk, he talked about a playoff-like atmosphere at T-Mobile for preseason game number one. And I think he is just so over the moon about the response he's getting from fans, the opportunities he has on the ice. And yeah, the chance to reunite with uh, his old assistant coach in Montreal, who's so far done a pretty good job here in Vegas. Yeah. No, no. That's on, by the way, can I just throw something randomly at you guys? Nope. <laughs> 17,000 in an exhibition game? 17,000, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, Team Mobile, I, I, that really was something. It just, I don't, you know, when people around the league, I, I'm sure you guys saw them on Twitter and stuff, you know, there, there were comments from just, you know, players around Canada that, like, don't these people understand it's an exhibition game? You know, like, no, they love the team there. It's, it's really, it, it's crazy to see. Well, I saw the I pictures. For exhibition. I saw the pictures from Florida. I thought they had 17 there. 
1700. I'll give him that. I think 17 people. I just was going to go straight up 17. Yeah, the the Panthers exhibition opener was horrific. I don't think anyone told him hockey had started. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's still warm weather down there, so you know. Isn't their arena like at a mall? I think it is. It's like a weird spot that their arena's at. Yeah, I've I've heard it's a weird setup. I haven't been there yet. Well, I'm kind of eager to see that this year. Um, there's a couple arenas actually I'm really eager to see, but yeah, no, that's gonna be an interesting uh, interesting trip down to Sunrise. Well, there you go. Uh, three road games for the Golden Knights, starting with this game in Colorado. Uh, two more in L.A. and San Jose coming up the next few days. So make sure you follow. Dave Shane at David Shane LVRJ for everything that's going on on the road. Also, follow Ben Goats. Or just a, is it your your name? I always forget. At Ben S Goats. S the S is always the one that throws me off. Ben S Goats up on Twitter. Adam Hill LVRJ for me. We'll be out covering all the games, all the exhibitions, the practices, the scrimmages, and fan fest. Everything that's going on with the Golden Knights. Uh, check it out and listen to us here in the Golden Edge podcast each and every week. We'll uh, bring you guys the biggest news and notes going on around the team. So for Dave and Ben, I'm Adam. We will talk to you guys again real soon. Thanks for tuning in.